everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Probably Should Have Known Better. Today we'll be discussing the 1982 classic Tootsie. And our content warning includes discussion of homophobia, sexual assault and sexual manipulation, as well as emotional manipulation with a focus on gaslighting. We hope you enjoyed this episode. This movie is a doozy. Enjoy! Let me tell you about my client, Michael Dorsey. He was a fine actor, maybe a great actor. But for every role he wanted, there was a reason why he wasn't right. Sorry, you're too tall. I can be shorter. Nah, I can't use you. Too short. Oh, I can be taller. Too moody. Next. Too old. Too stubborn. You're too much trouble. Too tough. Too temperamental. Too pushy. Too difficult. Michael, no one will hire you. Just watch me. Boy, did he show us. It's it's good. Uh, moving was terrible. Of course. Um, just everything. We had Stacy's parents stayed with us last weekend, and my parents came over as well. Oh. So that was that was too much. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's sweet. You're like, fuck so this. Literally all of the parents. Oh, but that's cute though. So much it support. So much love in your life. It was good. How dare you not be grateful and. <laughs> open to what the universe is giving you (laughs) oh wait i just left my air conditioner on i don't want that on here hold on okay okay wow wow okay so ungrateful tony is here today Hey there. <laughs> that was terrible. That was, I'm sorry. That was very hesitant. Are you feeling okay? That was so... That was, Are you not feeling was, confident today? That was like a weird combination of, uh, I don't... It sounds like I didn't want to talk, but because I had to, I wanted to sound cheerful. Yeah. Uh, just forced but, uh, cheeriness. That's just... But hey... It's our relationship in a nutshell. <laughs> but hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we're really excited. Today is a really exciting episode because we are talking about, I think, a great movie called Tootsie. Yeah, it's a lot of firsts for us because this is the first film that we have watched that was a Best Picture nominee. Hello. Uh, And it is the first film we've watched so far, first anything we've watched so far, that came out uh, before we were born. Yeah! Oh my god, how sweet. Look, we came into a world where Tootsie already existed. How nice is that? Uh, yeah, and so it's it's gonna be... I'm really looking forward to discussion because this is a film that is beloved by many. Mm-hmm. It's a film that, you know, I think in many ways is, is um, very entertaining and then in many other ways uh, really has not aged well at all. Sure. I remember specifically the first time I watched this, and this is everyone's favorite part of the podcast, which is where I talk <laughs> about going to improv class in 2012. Oh my god! Uh, so I was taking a class. Was it what? Was it Joe Wangert's we took together? It wasn't Joe Wangert's. It was. Um, it was. Let's just drop as many names as we can. Yeah, yeah. Will McLaughlin. 
Eliza yeah, Skinner. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't McLaughlin's class. Eugene Cordero. I also took his. <laughs> uh, it was uh, Andy Secunda's class. Oh, okay. I never had him. And it was on uh, the movie, which is a oh. form of long form improv where you improvise a movie and you like do camera angles and uh, stage direction and stuff like wow, that. Wow, dude, you went really hard into improv. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I went like I think I, I dabbled in musical and then I was like I'm good. <laughs> you were very good at musical Thank though. I you. remember that very specifically. Aww. I remember seeing your class show and being like that was awesome. That was fun. Thanks. But the the movie uh so our homework in this class every week was we had to watch a film from a different genre. So uh there were, you know, cuz cuz part of it is you have to kind of learn uh and get more familiar with the conventions of all sorts of different genres, sure. so you know. What genre would Tootsie fall into? So we did a week of, of like, um, uh, cross-dressing, gender-bending type stuff. Like, like Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, Tootsie was the one that I watched for homework, uh, Ladybugs with Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, that one's Um, so good. We should probably do that for this. And so, uh, so yeah, I remember watching it. So this would have been like, you know, five or six years ago and thinking, yeah, this is, uh, this is really entertaining. And then, uh, going back and watching it, you know, a week ago or so, um, I was like, yeah, this is still good. Some of it didn't sit right. And then I think knowing also what we know now about Dustin. Oh, Hoffman I know. <laughs> and what a, what a piece of shit he is. Truly. You think he would have learned some lessons by actually doing this movie. Yeah, but. well, well. so I'm sure many of our listeners have probably seen it or at least have some familiarity uh, with the plot. But Nadia, uh, do you want to kind of sum up the uh, the plot yeah. for, for our listeners? Yeah, so, so Dustin Hoffman plays an actor uh, who is out of work. He, he does do coaching and things like that. But ultimately, he's having a lot of trouble booking and he's having a lot of trouble keeping jobs. He's very difficult to work with and speaks his mind to directors, which directors apparently don't like. Uh, a lot of, <laughs> I mean, as an actor, I know a lot of the stuff that's in this movie is super inaccurate, but for the sake of drama, they did a really good job. Uh, but in any case, he is compelled to dresses a woman to prove a point that he is a good actor and can book, but because his reputation is so difficult to work with, uh, he just has to kind of become a new persona. So he becomes Dorothy, who actually books a huge role on a very popular soap opera and actually becomes a, a, na- a nationwide sensation because she does speak her mind and goes off script and doesn't uh, succumb to the gender norms of the soap opera. But in, while all this is going on, Michael, that's his name, his life is falling apart, and Dorothy, his alter ego, uh, her life is also falling apart, and it all culminates in a very dramatic way, and it's fantastic and hilarious, and I don't know. I, I know that this movie is problematic, but I, have, I had a really good time watching it. it. No, it's definitely one of the more watchable ones that we've watched thank god because uh, i don't want to go yeah. through another jeff dunham fiasco <laughs> uh so join us for our next episode uh the very special christmas special by jeff dunham <laughs> no, uh, so, no! <laughs> please don't do this to me uh, you know this was a hugely successful film it was the second highest grossing film of 1982 only after et 
E.T. was the only film that made more money. Yes, well, opened at number one in the country, made $177 million total. Um, that actually also makes it the second highest grossing film of all time in this uh, gender-bending category no uh, behind Mrs. Doubtfire. You mean She's uh, the Man wasn't number one? She's the Man inexplicably <laughs> was not number one. And uh, as we said, uh, it was nominated for nine Oscars, including Best Picture. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe it only won one of them, and that was actually for Best Supporting Actress for Jessica Lange. Yeah, which, I mean, no tea, no shade to Jessica Lange. I I just, I don't, I didn't think it was that great of a role. That that did not strike me as an Oscar-baity sort of role. Me either. I agree. Uh, Maybe it was what, what was written and what she was up against at the time. I actually don't have the data on that. But yeah. it uh, yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what the field was like at all. Um, it does. It, I mean, it's a good like rom com part. Yeah. But it's not. It's not by any means something that I would watch today and think that's definitely something someone would win an Oscar for. I will say, you know, most of what I see Jessica Lang in today is like. Um, like, I hate American Horror Story, but I watched the first two seasons, and she's in it, and she's a great actress. Um, and seeing her in this film is wild because uh, she's young, and uh, I, I feel bad saying this, but she's insanely good-looking. I mean, um, she's not my type, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so she was up against, uh, let's see, she was up against Glenn Close, Terry Garr, Kim Stanley and Leslie Ann Warren. Uh, Glenn Close was in The World According to Garp. Uh, Terry Garr was actually nominated for Tootsie. She played Sandy in, oh, in the okay. film. So they were up against oh, each we'll, other. We'll get, to, we'll get to Sandy. Yeah. Uh, Kim Stanley was in Francis, which I've never heard of, and Leslie Ann Warren was nominated for her role in Victor Victoria. So I guess, I mean, I feel like uh, Terry's performance was probably more, I mean, who am I, though? Who am yeah. I, truly, to say Again, this? <laughs> this is, you know, this is 1982. It is the first film that we have watched that came out before we were born. I have no idea what was going on. I assume we were all driving Model T's. <laughs> uh, we were using, like, the little uh, the phone where you had to hold the thing uh, <laughs> up to the ear and tell the operator, like, a Connect phone me. number that was also a word. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Connect me long not, distance. <laughs> Nadia, what what sort of for, former current events do we have? Well, let me this, tell you this something. Week? This is actually hilarious. Uh, since it was 1982, this was before we were bombarded with popular culture, there wasn't a whole lot to go off of. <laughs> um, I do want to go into some things that I thought were pretty interesting for the time that I never heard of from watching <laughs> I Love the 80s on VH1. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, when Tootsie was released, the top song was Joan Jett and the Blackhearts' says, I Love Rock and Roll. So let's just, like, underscore the rest of this with that. Uh, <laughs> um, brought, brought back years later in the film Crossroads. Hey! Who also written by Shonda Rhimes, who also wrote The Princess Diaries 2, which is so inclusive. I just watched that this week. Uh, anyway. Uh, E.T., of course, was the number one movie. Tootsie was number two. And An Officer and a Gentleman was number three. So if that gives you any idea of what was going on in theaters. Uh, Rocky Three was out. So Sylvester Stallone was going fucking strong. And Porky's was out. And so, you know, people were kind of coming into their own. 
in sexual uh, <laughs> ways. <laughs> Rocky three is the one where he fights Mr. T, I believe. Yes, yes. So that gives okay. you an indication of Mr. T's resume. Uh, in sports, this I have to do a shout out because this is about my home team. But the 49ers from San Francisco won the Super Bowl that year. Uh, that was yeah, yeah. I know it's like I, sports. I, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> like. My mom cares. That's why I did it. Okay. Okay. Joe Montana. Uh, okay. So 1982 was also the year that a Los Angeles man named Larry Walters strapped weather balloons to a lawn chair and flew over Los Angeles. Uh, that that oh. was a really big deal. Apparently, this was obviously before memes and Instagram, so people you know <laughs> had a lot of time on their hands. Uh, the computer was Time Magazine's Machine of the Year. Which is great. Uh, VCRs, <laughs> VCRs were also attempted to be outlawed for some reason. I don't know what the drama was about that, but that was a big well, thing. And I don't know how big uh, video rental stores were at this point in history, but like the kind of before Blockbuster as a brand <laughs> kind of built up. Yeah, or, yeah, rest in peace. We miss you so fucking much, I do. That, uh, do you not remember the moment that you would walk into Blockbuster and you smelled the Blockbuster smell? How dare you? Ungrateful Tony is back. <laughs> Un- Ungrateful Tony rears his ugly head. <laughs> uh, I, uh, before Blockbuster, like, video rental stores, a lot of what they rented was porn. Oh, like, I didn't know that. that- that was like what video rental stores were for, um, and kind of the the spot in the market that Blockbuster filled was, hey, we're going to rent popular movies that are not pornographic. Oh, okay. So that being said, it's entirely possible that if there was a crusade to outlaw VCRs, it's because most people may have been using them for uh, illicit activity. Wow. Um, well, I'm glad that you know that. I'm glad you're so well-versed in the history of porn. I was re-listening to some of our episodes, and I think I've made a cum joke in like, every episode. And in in retrospect, I'm not super proud of it's that. Okay. So someone has to do it. I'm definitely someone not. has to do it. Anyways, my mom listens to this. Hi, mom. Uh, so so what? Um, is there anything else from 1982? Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, there's more. Uh, John Belushi unfortunately passed that year, so wow. a comedy lost a, a huge heavy hitter. That that one I actually am sad. Yeah. Um, the here's a, a fun fact: Ozzy Osbourne peed on the Alamo that year, and everybody was really upset. But I think it was because they forgot that the Battle of the Alamo was because uh, Americans who were settling in the Mexican territory. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, actually wanted to bring slaves over to Texas, and Mexico was like, no, you're living on our land, and we say no, and so that's why the Battle of the Alamo happened. So when people say, remember the Alamo, change that up in your head and say, fuck the Alamo, and Ozzy Osbourne should have pooped on the Alamo. <laughs> yeah, that actually, you know what, good for Ozzy. Yeah, um, he, was a, were... he was a democratic socialist, even though he was from the UK. <laughs> always, always ahead of his time. <laughs> Um, always ahead of his time. Ozzy for Parliament. Yeah. Honestly, campaign on the slogan, piss on the Alamo. Hell yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure why Beto O'Rourke isn't doing that right now. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a reference I'm definitely going to cut out of the episode. No, it's fine. So. Um, aside from that though, it was a really big year in music. Michael Jackson's Thriller album was released mm. that year in November. Uh, there was a lot of controversy as to how many copies were sold at this point. Uh, but it looks like. It was 110 million from 
uh, my source on Billboard.com. And was was the best selling album of all time mm-hmm. for for many years, right? Oh, I think there are a couple that like compete with like Eagles' Greatest Hits for some reason is up there, um, which I have but... on vinyl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fun fact about me. Um, yeah. yeah. So besides that, you know, we were in a time of film. Uh, the Academy Awards were pretty, uh, I'm going to say conservative. That was the year that (laughs) Tron came out, and it was such a big (laughs) fucking deal that they weren't nominated for any Academy Awards for visual effects. And that was because the Academy actually said that the use of computers was considered cheating, which (laughs) which is fucking hilarious because the Academy now wants to add a most popular movie category because that's all movies made with computers. So the the Marvel universe is going to be fucking given Oscars now. In 82, it wasn't allowed. That's so wild. I mean, uh, just real quick on the popular film thing. The reason, like, we all know the reason they're doing that is because they don't want to give a real Oscar to Black Panther. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. like that's the main reason even though that movie was Um, tight no that movie kicks ass yeah i mean they couldn't handle tron in 82 how are they gonna handle this imagine watching tron (laughs) and being like well this is way out of bounds (laughs) i mean this was a time when like three's company was really popular (laughs) and like air supply and hollow notes were like the top songs so like i get it. it they were all about you know, kind of sticking to what they knew. And Tron was just a little too out there because they used fucking computers. But <laughs> 82, a conservative time in our politics, certainly a conservative time in our culture. Yeah, definitely. But I'm really excited because Tootsie Falls, I think, in a in a really interesting category because it is pretty much out of control with its social message for that time. Yes. Uh, I I think it has a lot of great things to say. I think a lot of it is difficult to watch now, but the message itself holds up, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Absolutely. The the thing that makes it difficult to watch now for me most of all, and I I think for for a lot of folks, is um, Dustin Hoffman is terrible. (laughs) As a person. An incredible actor, though. As a person. Yeah, no. Wonderful actor. Uh, The Graduate is a a movie that I still uh, love very much uh, for many reasons, but uh, Dustin Hoffman is terrible. This is a man (laughs) who, uh, before he was an actor he worked at a department store and he would accuse people of shoplifting just to see what would happen wait are you serious i yes oh my Um, god he really is an ass (laughs) he uh he worked for five years to get this movie made this was a project he was very passionate about the director uh is Sidney pollack who also plays michael's agent in the film Mm -hmm. um he and Sidney pollack are both notoriously uh, notorious pissants, basically, and very, very difficult to work with. And they hated each other, so they kept almost coming to blows on the set. Wow. Uh, this was apparently a very painful movie for everybody to work on who was involved with it. And as we'll see in the reviews later on, everybody knew it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, um, but the other thing uh, that we know now uh, is that Dustin Hoffman is an abuser of women. Yeah. uh, And uh, a serial sexual assaulter. We won't go into detail on that, because 
Uh, we don't need to, and it's horrible, but uh, <laughs> there was a, a, a column by Anagram Hunter that came out uh, in The Hollywood Reporter last year that detailed a bunch of allegation, allegations she had against Hoffman uh, coming from 1985, so after this movie came out. Um, so he was a piece of shit then. He was definitely a piece of shit when the movie came out, and I think what is so interesting about this movie is his character of Michael earlier in the film is also a piece of shit. Yeah, but he learns his lesson through the But trials. he learns his lesson. Yeah. yeah, however, in real life, Dustin Hoffman did not learn his lesson, which just goes to show that an actor, when given lines, may not actually feel things, but is just good at performing them. <laughs> Hollywood is pretend, folks. Yeah, uh, we mustn't forget. <laughs> we mustn't forget. Actually, and Nadia, this, this comes to another question I want to ask mm-hmm. you before we uh, get into the details on the film. I wanted to ask you this because you're a woman, because you're a woman of color, and because you're an actor. Oh. So, like, I've... I've seen you on TV. Uh, I have. I know you've done some work on stage. I'm guessing you've been on a lot of auditions. Yes. Uh, so how many times has this happened to you? Like, <laughs> you're you're in an audition. You're doing. Um, you're doing like you you don't do your best work. You do like an okay job. Mm-hmm. And the director's like, well, we really want to hire this white man, but I guess we have to hire you. That never happens. Oh, that never happens? No. <laughs> it's, uh, the, the way, so the beginning of the movie is actually just basically a montage of rejection for Michael, who is Dustin Hoffman's character, and it is so inaccurate, just like, it's like, oh, thank you, we're actually looking for someone taller, and he's like, oh, I'm wearing... I could I could be taller and they're like actually someone shorter and he's like I'm wearing lifts I can I can take out my lifts and be shorter and they're like well that never happens what happens is you go into the room you slate your name you do the audition if they want to adjust you you do and it when you're done they just say thank you you never hear back from them unless you get a call back or you get it but like no one ever tells you you know we're looking for xyz like this is all very dramatized because <laughs> they have to show you that he is just not right for a lot of different things but this is not accurate at all i actually started to get really pissed i was like if this was the case i would know what i need to work on when i walk into an audition room uh the other thing that is really played up a lot in these early montages is that um dustin hoffman damn it he has integrity ah, as an actor as an artist and, artiste and and he's smarter and more serious than all of the directors mm-hmm. uh, that he works with. Ugh, and, so and gross. I hate it, this. Just people don't understand his art. Yeah, he struggles because he is so good. And no one else is up to par with how good he is. This movie was uh, very much written by a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, so we, esta- and, and in his spare time, he is coaching other actors. Um, he's, you know, he's saying inspiring stuff like, don't play a part that's not in you. And he's also, as we learn, kind of very talented as a, uh, basically as a makeup, uh, artist, yes. right? Uh, which is, you know, kind of what the entire plot is going to turn on, uh, in a few more minutes. The, uh, so, so Dustin Hoffman has integrity, uh, he, uh, works at a restaurant, uh, to pay the bills, his roommate is Bill Murray, uh, who is, fantastic. who is, is, I mean, he's, 
he's always funny. He plays the same character he plays in everything else, but goddamn, it's a good character. It's a great character. (laughs) Uh, Their roommates, Bill Murray, is an out-of-work playwright, basically. Right. Um, And so, uh, one of the opening scenes, which I'm interested to hear your opinion on, Nadia, (laughs) is uh, his his birthday party, Oh, my God. I have so many thoughts on the birthday party. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, we've already established that he's an actor, he has integrity, he's a brilliant artist, uh, he's somewhat difficult to work with. He's also a total lech. And yeah, just like, he's a fucking creep. He's just yeah. going up to women he doesn't know at his own birthday party, touching them, uh, like just immediately grabbing onto their arms, telling them they have a wonderful face, telling them that he re- that he remembers their performances and certain things if he has seen them. He's just kind of some sort of Lothario for some reason. He's just like, there's a scene where he's like, you an actress? That's a terrific blouse. And just pause at the woman's chest. Yeah, it is disgusting, to say the least. I I think at that point I was just like, I don't remember being upset about this as a as a young child. Because I, I remember seeing this movie multiple times with my family. And mm-hmm. just the small uh, physical things that he does. I think, obviously, they're trying to tell a story that he has no respect for women at this point. Uh, but it really bothers me. I think it's really uh, gross and yeah. and disturbing that that is like a way that they establish a character trait. There are other ways they could have done it, but I guess they wanted to show that he started from the bottom. Now, yeah, <laughs> I don't fucking well, know. Well, well put. <laughs> um, my other favorite thing that's revealed in this scene is, is Bill Murray, the playwright. Uh, you know, Bill Murray's Bill Murray. He's, he's a white guy, and his plays are all about, like, the American Indian. Mm, yes, because the Native American is as American as Donnie and Marie. <laughs> um, I like I like to think Bill Murray knew how stupid that line was when he said it. Oh, yeah. Um, just so I can keep my respect for him. <laughs> um, he he's great he has one line towards the end of the film we're gonna get to which is like my favorite and makes me think it's the line that like got him ghostbusters <laughs> uh, but, uh, oh this is uh pre ghostbusters murray yeah this is like four years before wow. ghostbusters came out okay 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 um dustin hoffman you know michael is the character's name so he's uh he's pawing at these women he's kind of being an asshole he's pissed off because he can't find any work um, and he walks his friend home after the party. And his friend is Sandy, uh, who was also nominated for Best Supporting Actress, who's going out on an audition for a soap opera. Right. Um, and he's co- and basically the character that she's playing is um, she's got to be angry, uh, and he's like coaching her on talking like an angry woman. Um, he is arguably doing the angry woman part better than she is as they're running lines and then he just starts like coaching her pretty abusively yeah in terms of like what do i have to do hit you with a stick (laughs) i wrote well it's nice to know things haven't changed because i have worked with older male acting coaches and teachers who use abuse to get the reaction that they want you to use for your scene Uh, You know, whether it's saying, you know, I I took a Meisner class where he whispered into my partner's ear when we were doing a repetition exercise uh, that I needed to uh, cry. And so he told him to say that I was fat, too fat. 
And Jesus so and so Christ. he so my partner was like, uh shout out to Roman, what up? He was just like, uh, you're too fat. And I was like, I'm too fat? And we had to repeat that. Yeah. And because I didn't cry, I got an email from this teacher later who was like, you're not a real actor, uh, all this other stuff. And I eventually dropped the class. But it's very common for abuse to be used as a way to elicit a response that's wanted to kind of fit into the script. Uh, you can call it method acting. You can call it Meisner acting. I call it bullshit. You don't have to do that yeah. to people. But that is obviously the approach that Dustin Hoffman is using. And his his... Who is it? Terry Gar's character? Sandy. Yeah, Sandy, Sandy is like, thank you so much. How am I going to be able to do this without you tomorrow? And he's like, don't worry. I'll pick you up and I'll enrage you on the way to the audition. It's like, I don't want this. Yeah. Why does she want this? Yeah, and so they go to, I mean, they go to, to uh, 30 Rock, basically, yeah. right? This is where the soap opera shoots. Yeah. And, um... They go to, he accompanies her to the audition, and right before she goes in, he, like, keeps poking her and saying, fuck you. (laughs) It's a reality, though. Unfortunately, this is based in some sort of reality. It's it's very much heightened because, you know, you wouldn't bring someone to an audition that's super unprofesh. But it, it, it obviously works for her, and so she goes in for the audition, and they were like, actually, she comes out almost immediately, and she's like, no, they were looking for somebody who was tougher, someone older, and uh, Michael gets really upset. Yeah. He tries to, like, he, like, walks up to the desk and he's like, can I talk to the casting director? Which does not seem like... No! Again. Um, something no, that happens. you cannot do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the casting director is actually playing the part that he wanted on Broadway. And he's just devastated. Oh, that's right. Yes, he's giving away a different part that Dustin Hoffman went out for. Yeah, so he's devastated. So he goes to his agent, who's in CAA, which I, it's, again, completely unbelievable (laughs) that he's with CAA, for the love of God, (laughs) and is, like, a waiter and, like, gets no roles. It's like, no. Uh, And so he's, like, talking to his, his agent. He's like, I am so fucking good. Like, you get me all of these things. He's like, you were a tomato in a commercial. And he's like, that's right. Nobody does vegetables like me. I like, why would a tomato sit down? The director told me to sit down, but vegetables don't sit down. Like these are these logical kind of tornado thoughts that he has just to, to establish that he's so fucking good. You know how like you have a friend who responds to your posts on Facebook with like, uh, let's engage about this logically. Okay. Uh. First of all, (laughs) Like, that's, that's your protagonist in this film. Yeah, your protagonist is an internet troll. This was before <laughs> the internet, so he, you know, had to put that energy out into the rest of the world around him. <laughs> um, uh, but there's another um, line in there. So, so he's seeing his agent. His agent, the, the actor who plays his agent, is also the director of Tootsie. Right. So that's Sidney Pollack. Um, and, who's uh, great and in this, by the who, way. Who's very good in this role. And he says... Uh, Michael, not now. I'm talking to the coast. And Dustin Hoffman is like, New York is a coast, too. Again, just like, <laughs> I, I get that it's a laugh line, but, but like, it's just such a, it's such a, like, Dustin Hoffman is so wisecracking and sharp and has all these snappy answers. He should get all the parts. He's so, he's so smart he's and He's so logical. good. And despite being a complete son of a bitch, we love him yeah. and want him to succeed, which already I was just like, all right, uh, I'm watching because Dustin Hoffman's a great actor, not because this yeah. character is likable in any way. Uh, so, so they start just 
kind of freaking out on each other and and does what what is that happens at the end he makes some sort of promise and it smash cuts to him dressed as a lady (laughs) yeah so like i didn't remember that there was no logic or setup behind him deciding to be a woman yeah it's it's literally like dustin hoffman's yelling at Sidney pollock he's like i'm a great actor I'm going to go out and get these parts and show you. And then, bam, we just cut to him as a woman walking down the sidewalk in New York. Yeah. Like, and he and he <laughs> ends up just walking into, he has no appointment. He just walks into the audition that he was with Sandy earlier that day. Same show, same role, same role. in the same show. Right. That Sandy went out. Yeah, for. she's just like, here I go. And so she goes up to... Uh, up to the stage, and they, they're like, ugh, don't be so close up on this ugly lady. <laughs> yeah, and that's, okay, so a lot of the humor from this uh, movie comes from the fact that Dustin Hoffman does not look great as a woman. I think he looks kind of good. I, I think he's convincing, but he's certainly not, I would say, soap opera pretty. Sure. Uh he is playing um, also a woman, uh, kind of an older woman, um, and uh, kind of a, with a genteel sort of southern accent. Right. Wait, should we call out how problematic it was just now that I said that he looked kind of good and maybe insinuated that he looked passing and how much of a problem that is? See, it's good to self-police. See, this is this is why we do the podcast, folks. <laughs> it's not for you. It's for us. Yeah. <laughs> uh- <laughs> no, I mean, we got to be aware that that's something that's a part of our culture, that if someone is cross-dressing in some way or uh, trying on other genders or is being more gender fluid, that to call out whether or not their passing is problematic. Because yes. who's to say what a, ma- a man or a woman or someone in, you know, who's non-binary uh, Honestly, can be? every day that passes, I'm more thankful for She's the Man. <laughs> just... Oh, that was such a good movie. Uh, really just a, a decade ahead of its yes, time. Yes, but, but anyway, I'm aware. I'm aware of what happened, and I, I that's why I call it out. There's no transition. There's no montage of him, like, trying on makeup or buying the clothes he needs. Well, th- that just... actually insinuates that he has done this before, because I feel like he does a very skillful job of putting together a very fashionable outfit. and Sure. And, like, ha- and has already on hand a dress and a wig and makeup to to wear. So I feel like maybe this yeah. is something that he has done for a role of some people. Also, shows up to an audition just cold with no... You can't do that. I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I am not... I am not an expert on this by any means, but I even I know you can't fucking do no. that. Uh, um, no, no, no. But uh, for the read, um, he, uh, he reads with young jessica lang mm-hmm. um who he meets for the first time uh he is clearly into her yeah <laughs> um right away checks out her ass as she walks away there's a couple couple like one-liners here where the the soap director is like uh in in the uh in the studio like i'd like to make her look a little more attractive how far can you pull back yeah yeah they're just really mean but but what the actual read happens uh dorothy is this character's name his alter ego is actually fucking great she Mm -hmm. she just blows them out of the absolutely nails yeah blows them out of the water impresses jessica lang who is uh, a long-running character on the show and uh I don't know if they give it to her. Yeah, they give it to her on the spot. Yes. 
And and the thing is, they wrote this character, and the reason they didn't um, give Sandy the role, they wanted someone tough, right? And they wanted someone angry. Right. Um, and uh, Dorothy, Dustin Hoffman's fake lady, uh, nails it. Uh, just in terms of, like, she, there was, like, the casting director says, you don't look intimidating enough, and... Uh, and Dorothy starts talking shit right away yeah. and says stuff like, oh, really? You think masculine women are too powerful? Shame on you for writing that. I'll knee your balls through the roof of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> she she says, uh, power makes women masculine and masculine women are ugly, which is our thesis statement for the, for the film. For the film. Uh, and the entire podcast. And the entire podcast. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, obviously Dustin Hoffman now can be like, told you so to his agent. So he goes and, and is outside the Russian tea room while Sidney Pollack comes out and, or comes through and, and she's like, oh, can you tell me where the Russian tea room is? And he's like, you're standing right in front of it. And they have an interaction where he has no idea that it's his client, Michael, which obviously is proving a point and that that he is a different person and she just goes in there and sits down and he's like oh my god who are you discovers that it's michael and said i begged you to get some therapy (laughs) which is such a strange and horrible reaction yeah um that i mean dustin hoffman's acting in this scene is really good because he's he's switching back and forth between the two voices to be like, oh, it's so nice to see you, Mister. And he's like, Michael, it's me. It's it's, it's Michael. Yeah. Um. And and he says, you're psychotic. And he goes, no, I'm not. I'm employed. And which is the big fuck you. I told you so. I'm a great actor. This is a great acting role. Basically, is what Michael eventually says to Bill Murray's character. But this is his a big acting challenge is to be Dorothy. There is a scene. Uh, right after this, I believe this is where he pulls a guy out of a cab. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to call this out because um, it was kind of controversial when they shot it. Um, so Sidney Pollack wanted to do... So so basically, Dorothy leaves the Russian tea room. She hails a cab. Um, another guy jumps in the cab ahead of her, and she <laughs> drags the guy out of the cab and throws him to the curb. Um, so Sidney Pollack wanted that scene to be a little more serious, um, or a little more of a, like, blow for women's equality or something like that, okay. and Dustin Hoffman wanted to play it more comedically, which is how it ended up being, uh, played. Okay. Um, and, uh, apparently it took forever to film it, and everyone was pissed. What, what was the non-comedic... I guess it's like, it's supposed to be like, oh, you're seeing this woman stand up for herself and it's really powerful, Um, which doesn't, I think, make a ton of sense. I think seeing it comedically makes more sense. Yeah. But I I mean, I I wrote, to be fair, he's doing everything I've ever wanted to do, which is pull a man out of a cab. (laughs) Like in my experience in New York, you know, somebody will steal your cab. And if I am like as small as I am, I'm not going to be able to pull him out. But Dustin Hoffman, as Dorothy, gets to kind of have the entitlement of a tough, quote, alpha male in the body of a woman, which is, I think, where they're trying to get the comedy from. Yes. Question mark. <laughs> um, there is, uh, in See the Follows, um, Dustin Hoffman and Bill Murray are back at the apartment. Dustin Hoffman is complaining about how expensive <laughs> it is to buy, like, handbags and dresses and stuff. 
um, Bill Murray in uh, in that deadpan we know so well is like, so you are doing this for the money, right? <laughs> yeah, just so not just so you can wear those little outfits, right? And, but, and, and the reason the reason Michael gives for doing it is actually he's doing it because it's like the greatest challenge an actor can have, right? Yes, which sure. <laughs> it's it's interesting though because I feel like there is a little bit of positivity towards uh how Michael sees himself because now he's definitely more aware of the space that he takes up with his body. Um he like looks at himself in the mirror and is just like kind of uh what is it called when you're nitpicking at yourself? I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. So he's just kind of nitpicking and, and taking on kind of these female traits or whatever. But in reality, he's just seeing himself as a woman through his own male gaze, which I love. I think that that, yes. like, as a as a contemporary person, you could look at these scenes a little bit differently, and it's it's really refreshing and kind of great. I don't know. What, I think it was supposed to be funny. Ha ha. He's dressed like a chick back in the eighties, but now I feel like. It's very much like, oh, yeah, you know, the, the male gaze is really d- damaging to your self-esteem. Welcome to being a woman. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Um, I'll tell you what's not okay is uh, how the character of Sandy is treated in this film. Yeah. Because uh, Dustin Hoffman realizes during the course of his conversation with his roommate, Sandy might find out that they cast a man over her right? Uh, for this role she wanted. Um, so he has to lie to Sandy. He has to tell her, oh, he, uh, a relative died. That's why I can, like, pay my rent now. Right. Um, and then uh, he goes over to Sandy's place to talk to her about it. And there's a scene where she goes to take a shower and while he's killing time, he goes through her closet because he's looking for stuff to wear. And he starts undressing in her bedroom. Yeah, because he wants to try on this really weird, like, burnt orange number, which, hello. Yeah. <laughs> Not a great color for you, Dustin. Sandy walks out of the shower while, you know, after Dustin Hoffman has taken his pants off. And he's like, what the hell? And Dustin Hoffman is like, oh, God, I got to save this. Uh, I'm just gonna have sex with Sandy. He's like, I want you, and then... that That's the cover story. Yeah. So, sex is used as a ploy here to cover <laughs> some debauchery, like stealing someone's clothing. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it, to me, it's really sad that Sandy is used as a pawn a lot of the time, and just, he doesn't appreciate her. It continues on throughout the rest of the movie, but she really doesn't even get a redemption arc at the end either. So, you know, we're just kind of existing in a land where Sandy's just being abused by this guy and we're okay with it. Yeah, and it's just, that part really pissed me off. One part that I did love, though, is that um, Bill Murray in his room has a don't tread on me flag. I don't know if you saw it. So I like to assume he's like a Tea Party sovereign citizen type guy. <laughs> oh, I want to see what he's like now. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, so they we finally see a montage of Dorothy getting ready. Uh, Shaving his legs. Yes, it's supposed to be funny. Uh, he does an excellent job on his makeup. Um, overall, he's just, he's he's pulling it off. Uh, and then we see Dorothy on her first day on the soap opera and she gets to share a dressing room with the incomparable Gina Davis. 
And uh, this is really interesting because Gina Davis is spearheading the Gina Davis Institute for Gender and Media, which is, yeah, I, yes. I actually volunteered for it a few years ago. She does a symposium every year that talks to you about women's roles in TV and film, uh, the types of roles that they have, uh, asking questions like, are they employed? Are they mothers? Are they uh, service industry workers? Are they used as sex objects? And all these different questions. And uh, <laughs> the percentages of women being treated respectfully in TV and film are very low. It's probably under like 15% over the last yeah. few years. And Gina Davis is living this role in this yes. movie. Yes. She's- That's what I was about to say. Is, is Gina Davis is doing such uh, such cool work right now with gender representation. Nadia, can you tell us about her role in Tootsie? I think it's because the trauma from being in her underwear in almost every scene in this movie <laughs> was too much. She is in bra, a bra and a bikini t- bottom doing like stretches or something. In every scene she is in. Now, it's a, it's a pretty minor role. Yeah, she's just like a, but... she's a supporting uh, ca- cast member who is like also being kind of sexually abused by the director, which we'll see later. Um, but she she's just in her underwear in front of Dustin Hoffman's character pretty much for the entire scene. They share a dressing room, and Dustin Hoffman, like, there are scenes of him, like, every, every scene she is in her underwear, he's just staring at her, and he's in character as Dorothy, so he can't say or do anything, but he's just staring at her as he's, as he's like running lines with her he keeps dropping in the word tits by mistake because he's distracted by so bad half-naked gina davis um i completely forgot about the gina davis institute and that is the funniest thing you could have (laughs) reminded me of well i mean if i was her i also would have been pissed because what when you think oh my god i'm so excited i get this huge role in this huge movie huge and you're just in your underwear the entire time and being treated as a sex object i too would start an institute for gender in media (laughs) because that's not fucking cool man oh my god it's okay so so gina davis's character also puts in a little kernel of wisdom for dorothy because dorothy unfortunately on her first day has a kissing scene already Yes, with Dr. Brewster. Yes, and and Gina Davis says it's okay. He kisses all the women on the show. We call him the tongue. Yeah, so he's just a lecherous old man (laughs) who's been playing this role on the show for decades. Let me tell you about the lecherousness, though. It includes staring hungrily at these younger women, spraying banaca in his mouth after talking to them, (laughs) and just, like, inappropriately touching everyone. And everyone is cool with this. Pats Jessica Lang on the ass repeatedly in between takes. What is funny is that this old man is also, a, the joke is that he's a terrible actor. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he needs to constantly read the prompter um, whenever he's on set. So he can't, he can't look any of, look at any of the other characters as he's delivering it's lines. It's so bad. It's so bad. But the, the, this is where we're also introduced to the lecherous uh, director. He's one of the best soap actors. Soap opera directors out there. He, he which is is that really an honor? I mean, this is what they. He probably makes a lot of money and wins a lot of awards in this Fair. in this world. But he's also a piece of shit. Yeah. And uh, so Jessica Lang is being directed in a scene with someone, and he grabs her ass. And this is when we see Michael 
as Dorothy reacting to men being disgusting. So this is our yes. first peek into Dorothy seeing things in a new way, or Michael, I guess, seeing things in a new way. Which Dorothy and Michael seeing. <laughs> there you go. So so he <laughs> sees that the director grabs Jessica Lange's ass, and his reaction is just like ew and you're like oh interesting because you did that at the beginning of the movie at the birthday party with someone's breasts <laughs> right but okay growth it's happening it's happening here it's happening i i think this is great knowing that dustin hoffman himself apparently never watched this film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he just did it and never watched it <laughs> just was like i'm gonna assume that turns out fine um <laughs> but anyways he uh so so dorothy has this scene where she's got to kiss dr brewster the old man but during the take dorothy ad-libs it so when dr brewster goes in for the kiss dorothy pulls back and whacks him on the head with uh her folders um jessica lang loves it right the director is like i'm not happy you changed it but we actually that scene works a little better that way um but he says to dorothy he says the director says the next time you want to change something toots you need to discuss it with me first (laughs) yeah and she kind of goes off and is like my name is dorothy it's not toots it's not tootsie it's not sweetheart and all this stuff and it's great it's a great moment um but one thing that we kind of brushed aside or maybe it's because you didn't notice because you're a guy but did you notice that when dorothy before the scene was taking place uh wanted to talk to the director about the kiss but was being completely ignored she no i missed that yeah. See, that's why you're that's why you host this <laughs> yeah so so dustin hoffman obviously doesn't want to kiss a man because of course and so he wants to talk to the director about it as dorothy and is like excuse me but the director is kind of walking around ignoring every single time that dorothy brings this up and so that's why she just takes matters into her own hands because she wasn't being listened to uh, and was this before or after doc- the doctor kisses her? Yeah, so after the take, the doctor walks up to, to Dorothy and is like, I loved what you did in our scene, and then kisses her anyway. Yeah, so, you know, Dorothy gets her first assault in under her right. belt. And, <laughs> and that's, again, that's that's a, that's a scene that got huge laughs in the theater because like oh dustin hoffman's gonna get kissed and it's like ah dustin hoffman's not gonna get kissed yeah. and that's like yes he is yeah he is uh, uh and then you know we discover that julie who is uh jessica lang is actually in a relationship with the director and we're all grossed out by it and he treats her really badly of course because we want her to be with dustin hoffman who will treat her better even though he treats women terribly but whatever this is what we're trying to go for but you know she says you know don't condescend me don't call me toots don't call me sweetheart don't call me honey or baby and uh the reaction from jessica lang is like complete and utter admiration no woman has ever stood up to this misogynistic director obviously and so you know now dorothy's a hero on set absolutely and uh and it's interesting because um, the rest of the cast loves Dorothy um, because she stood up to the director. We see, uh, you know, the following scene, Dustin Hoffman is is hanging out with Bill Murray, and he's just complaining that Jessica Lang is with the director and saying, like, why is she with him? He treats her like she's nothing. He doesn't treat us women like people. So now he's <laughs> starting to identify more with Dorothy. There's a really funny line where he, like, is, is thinking about it. He's like, 
I think Dorothy is smarter than I am. Right. Uh, and I just wrote, which, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then uh, the phone rings and, like, Dustin Hoffman realizes that he can't answer the phone as Michael. Um, but Bill Murray can't answer the phone because it'll make it sound like Dorothy has uh, a man over. And then Dustin Hoffman can't answer as Dorothy if it's Sandy calling because then it'll sound like he has a woman over. And then he realizes he completely forgot about Sandy, who he promised to take out to dinner after they fucked. Because, like, they're in a relationship now, remember? Yeah. And, uh has to bail on their date. Ugh, this is the second time I've been disappointed for Sandy. <laughs> I feel so bad for her character. Again, Oh my god. it doesn't get any better, so don't expect it to. It's just bad <laughs> all the way around. Yeah. Uh, oh. So everybody loves that Dustin Hoffman is this very strong woman. Uh, women are looking up to Dorothy now. People are asking her for autographs outside the studio. It's a big deal. They're like, wow, like you're you're inspiring me and and even Sidney Pollock who is the agent uh says that his secretary is starting to stand up to him now because of his <laughs> character and oh and we see another scene where Gina Davis is doing stretches in her underwear of course yes. <laughs> but we also discovered that the director is fucking Gina Davis and so while yes. while Dustin Hoffman's character Dorothy or the actress Dorothy is is getting more and more popular, Dorothy is also realizing that the other women on the cast are treated like sex objects. And so there's yes. the, there's the kind of a battle between how do I feel about this, but also I'm very happy that I'm a working actor. Yes. So uh, what ends up happening is on the way out of the studio, Jessica Lang says, "Hey, Dorothy." Uh, do you want to come over and run some lines with me? Dorothy's like, yeah. And Dustin Hoffman's like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so there's a, a funny scene where he's like, oh, what do I wear? She's seen me in this. Um, Dorothy goes to her quote-unquote date with Jessica Lang. Jessica Lang has a 14-month-old daughter. Yes. Dorothy kind of put together this backstory where she was once engaged to a brilliant actor whose career was cut short due to the industry's insensitivity. But um, but basically, they're both starting to drink wine. Jessica Lang is talking about Ron, the director, uh, and Dorothy is like, how does he treat you? Um, and, you know, they're, Dorothy's trying to figure out what the deal is with Jessica Lang's relationship. Right. There is obviously an ulterior motive, although I, I don't know what what Michael slash Dorothy's ultimate plan could possibly be. Well, um it's it's actually stated in when he's getting ready for the date and is like, Oh, she's seen me and all this. He says, I just want to look pretty for her. This is our first date. Yeah. So Michael sees it as a date. But Jessica Lange's character sees it as a friend. And so he's treating her like a friend because she sees Dorothy as a friend. But would yes. it be the same if he was a man and on a date? Would he be as empathetic? Would he be as receptive? Or is he putting on the role of a woman? See, this is the kind of like, where is the line drawn for Michael on how he treats women. Does he only yeah. treat them and respect treat them well and respect them when he's dressed like a woman? Or would it be a different story if he was dressed like a man? Yeah. These are the interesting questions that we're exploring in these scenes. Uh, we also learn that 
Jessica Lang's character kind of has a self-destructive streak. She drinks a lot. Um, she, uh, she says, you know, quote, when I find a man who can give me the worst possible time, I make my move. Um, I would just want a man to walk up to me and ask me to make love to me, which she's explaining, by the way, while her daughter is in the room. Yeah. And it bears mentioning that as Dorothy's doing all of this, Michael slash Dorothy has completely forgotten that he is once again supposed to be on a date with Sandy. And you see a little tiny little montage of Sandy getting dinner ready for Michael. And it's so horrible. Again, <laughs> this d- doesn't get any better for Sandy. It's just going to keep getting worse. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. There is no resolution for Sandy's character. Yeah. Like, we don't see her end up with someone good. No, <laughs> it's bad. Um, so, you know, we're finding out that being a woman in the 80s is complicated through Michael's eyes, which every woman in the theater is like, no, we know, but, you know, good for you. <laughs> I think Sandy, so so Michael ends up going to Sandy's house a little later. He's like, I've been yes. running around all night trying to find you your favorite ice cream and trying to be a stand-up guy, and, and he's two hours late yes. for dinner. He's two hours late. The excuse he gives, by the way, is that he was showering and he got soap in his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I've... I've gotten soap in my eyes before, and that is not a two-hour problem. No, no, you just kind of wipe and go. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the the hard part of watching this, again, is uh, the way that they write Sandy. She, again, gets no kind of redemption or no happy ending, but also she's just incredibly insecure and never really has a moment of growth. She's just accepting that she's being treated badly and even apologizes. And he's like, no, you can't apologize because I'm two hours late. Everyone knows that she's she needs to step it up with taking care of herself better. Every time she has stood up, which has happened now like three separate times in this film, and we're not even like halfway through it yet, every time she has stood up, part of her self-worth uh, dies. <sighs> and it's awful to watch. I hate this. That's th- th- that character. Maybe that should have won the Oscar. Just so that she could have gotten some sort of redemption. It's so hard to watch a woman written this way. Yeah. There's no. There, again, I mean, there there are moments where she gets like strong or whatever, but she has to remind us that she's insecure. It's like this is just my character. This is just who I am. I'm insecure, and it's it's really fucked. <laughs> It is. Especially because fun. especially because Michael is getting the empowerment as Dorothy. Whereas the other women in the story don't get that. And that's really sad. So we come back to the set of uh Southwest General, which is the soap opera. Mm-hmm. And this is an interesting scene because the I the way the scene is written. Uh, is that Dorothy, as the uh, hospital administrator, is telling a woman who is a victim of domestic violence yeah. uh, to uh, just just move out and uh, get therapy. Um, but Michael slash Dorothy is getting pissed off at the writing and keeps ad-libbing keeps ad-libbing lines and destroying pieces of the set, like yeah. <laughs> throwing a flower pot. The other actor, by the way, is staying on book, which is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> but but basically, st- Dorothy starts yelling at the director, uh, at Ron, the director, we can't tell this woman to move out and get therapy. That is horseshit. 
Right. And uh, I suppose... That's... No, wait, but the, the script actually said that she... The script, I was trying to read the teleprompter. It said, uh, you just need to basically be careful and that he he like he loves you and all this stuff and oh, then, okay and then dorothy is like no you need to get out and then this person's on book and they're like what <laughs> that's not what's yeah. supposed to be happening and so her solution is like if i was in your situation i would grab something and throw it at him and, that's right and that's right okay. a I, plant I, I had it backwards no yeah. that's okay yeah so 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 dorothy is actually giving this poor woman this poor character at life advice which is like get out of your abusive relationship even though yeah. the writing was telling her like it's gonna be fine he, you just need yeah. to be there for him and so all of these women who are watching dorothy on the soap opera are freaking out they're just like oh my god this is just blown away wow yeah. like i can't believe that a character would say something like this which begs to the question like i i would have loved to have seen a scene of what the other women were doing on this soap yeah. opera in comparison. Yeah. And because of this, um, Dorothy's character is becoming massively beloved across the country. Um, she is getting bags of fan mail. We see a montage where she gets uh, the cover of Ms. and Women's Day and Life and TV Guide. Uh, people uh, with Andy Warhol. Um, oh yeah, the cover, of, the cover of New York Mag, and my personal favorite, she was on the cover of Cosmo. Uh, I assume as the oldest woman ever to appear <laughs> on the cover of the magazine. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, so you're seeing that Dorothy's a sensation. More and more people are are getting her autograph, and they're like, "Wow, a strong, empowered woman! How exciting!" But it's really a dude. Yeah, um, and it's starting. To, there, there's two problems that are starting to arise here. The first is that uh, Dorothy, Jessica Lange's character, Dorothy's dad, who is played by uh, the incomparable Charles Durning, mm -hmm. uh, is clearly... I'm sorry, Dorothy is... Ah, fuck. Let me take that. Okay. Um, Jessica Lange's character, her dad, played by Charles Durning, uh, has met Dorothy and uh is clearly falling for her yeah uh which is a problem because <laughs> uh, dorothy is not a lady and then the other thing is that this is starting to go to dustin hoffman's head yeah um so we see him talking to talking to bill murray being like i should be telling women how to make it in this industry i should be playing eleanor roosevelt <laughs> he also parallels being a woman with being an actor because being a woman means you have to wait by the phone and not having any power and all this stuff so like because he has the entitlement as an actor he thinks he knows what it's like to be a woman and watching the director being an, an asshole and like realizing that he was being an asshole so he's like learning all of these lessons in kind of a montage form yes and all while trying to kind of bat off jessica lang's dad because that's quote-unquote gross which hello homophobia so like yes. it's all bad all of this is just getting a little too complicated yes so speaking of the tangled web getting tangled or they uh, there's a scene where dustin hoffman as michael with his agent goes to a party and it said like hey, we got to go to phil weintraub's party he's this big producer in New York. So I assume this is like an eyes wide shut type thing. Yeah. Where every, everybody is going to be sexually assaulted in some way. Sure, sure, sure. But 
But Dustin Hoffman is there as Michael, and oh fuck, Jessica Lange shows up. Oh god. With Ron, the director. Oh god. So that's uh, gonna be a real problem. Dustin Hoffman comes, he's with his agent, he brings Sandy with him too. And so what happens in this scene is Dustin Hoffman, as Michael, whom Jessica Lange has not met, Dustin Hoffman follows Jessica Lange out to the balcony, and he tries the line on her that she said when she was on a quote-unquote date with Dorothy, she wanted to hear a man say to her. She's like, I wish a man would just come up to me and say, you're beautiful and I want to make love to you. So Dustin Hoffman, with that insider knowledge... (laughs) You think that that would have tipped her off, by the way. Right. Uh, Would, would, uh, yeah, she should have been like, you know, your nose and eyes and mouth shape look really familiar. (laughs) But he goes up and uses that line on her, and uh, she throws her drink in his face without saying anything, which is actually kind of funny. Yeah, and then he wipes his face on some guy's suit and walks out. Yes, that was hilarious. And in in this time, he actually brought Sandy to this party, and Sandy is just being embarrassing and terrible and stealing food and putting it into her purse. And so, you know, we're... I think that is supposed to be establishing that Dustin Hoffman is really not supposed to end up with Sandy, despite the fact that she's more likable, and that he's supposed to end up with Jessica Lange just it's it's so bad i i really until we started talking about this i really didn't put together how fucked up the entire love story is yeah in this movie i mean i don't think we're supposed to because that's just kind of the way things are you know in in movies and things but it's so terrible to just have one of the three characters in a love triangle just be treated so badly and have her come out with nothing yeah it's just so sad um, and speaking of fucking over Sandy, <sighs> Jessica Lang invites Dorothy out to her country house ah, with her and her dad. Yay. Uh, so he has to bail on Sandy again. Yeah. Uh, and then we, and- we get to discover the, if this is true, what else is true for Dorothy's character. Uh, so we get, <laughs> we get to put her fish out of water in a different setting. Not New York, not on stage, because we know what that's like. Now we get to see her out in the country enjoying a vacation and being flirted with yes um so this is tough this is the longest that uh dustin hoffman has to keep up the charade right uh and uh and there's sh- and he's sharing a bed with jessica lang come the fuck up. i know he's okay the justification for that is her dad is like well i could put you in separate rooms but by the end of the night you'll sneak in and there'll just be a bunch of giggling and jessica lang's like nah he still thinks i'm seven uh i do really appreciate that <laughs> that dustin hoffman he has his Dorothy wig, and then he has a backup wig with <laughs> curlers in it. Yeah, because Dorothy sleeps to, in curlers. To wear at night. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, it's kind of weird. There's a lot There's a lot going on. So uh, Dustin Hoffman has to be super respectful, obviously, uh, because now she's Dorothy. He's, he's, like, holding the baby and caressing the baby, and, like, it's just gross. And then there's a, a scene where Jessica Lang is preparing some sort of dinner or, like, a pie or something, and she takes a scoop of it with her finger and sexily puts it in her mouth. And then she takes a scoop of it and puts it in Dustin Hoffman's mouth, which no woman has ever done to That's their not... friend. 
<laughs> you know, this is a fun thing to do with my friend who's 25 years older than I am. Oh, it's so disturbing. And the whole time I was like, I'm so disturbed, but the soundtrack is so good. <laughs> it is. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of good original music um, in the film. And uh, and you know this because I texted you a photo of it. Uh, Tootsie in the year of our Lord 2018 <laughs> is going to be a Broadway musical and it's in previews right now in Chicago. Oh my God. I really want to see it. I really hope that they modernize it a lot. I, I hope so too. God. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, so they're doing this weird flirty, but not flirty stuff. Charles Durning is clearly falling head, head over oh, heels. It's so sad. Uh, for Dorothy, he's starting to put his arm around her. It's gonna get weird. Yeah. Uh, and it does, very quickly. Uh, because what happens is uh, Jessica Lang, uh, one of the evenings out at the country house, is like, well, I'm going to bed, and leaves Dustin Hoffman as Dorothy and Charles Sterning <laughs> just alone in the living room with the fireplace. Uh, and just, uh, my, my favorite thing, which has aged super well, uh, is Charles Durning goes into his views on gender. Oh, I'm all for this equal business. <laughs> Women are entitled to whatever they want, except I think they want to be entitled to be men. I think some of these women really want to be men. You know, back in the day, you just were what you were, and now it's all about how we should all be the same. You know, roosters don't try to lay eggs. Oh, my God. I can't believe that we're still having the same issues. <laughs> like, the whole time, I was just like, this is just the justification for now old fucks. Like, people who are young and 82 yes. who are now old fucks, and they're just like, well, you know, we should just be what you are, because, this yeah, this is uh, this is the fucking Barry Weiss at the New York Times <sighs> just just transcribed this monologue, and that was her op-ed column on how there were only two <laughs> genders. Uh, honestly, this this whole scene is a huge mindfuck because you start to realize that Jessica Lange is seeing Dorothy as kind of a mother figure. Yes, but Michael is seeing her as a potential mate. So Dorothy is or. or so Jessica Lang is seeing Dorothy as a mother. Dorothy is seeing Jessica Lang as a mate. But yes. Dorothy is Dustin Hoffman. And it's just all really fucked up. The power dynamic yeah. here is really, really yeah. shitty. Dorothy is Dustin Hoffman, who in real life at this time saw every possible woman as his mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's kind of... Uh, I think it's disturbing in the sense that, like... Dorothy and Jessica Lange's what's her name Julie jo Dorothy and Julie's relationship I don't I don't think I've actually written the character I just wrote Jessica Lange any, uh, anywhere yeah like their relationship is just Dorothy listening and so the trust is building there uh Dorothy empathizing and trying to empower and because of that dynamic Jessica Lang is seeing her as a mom and is now okay with like leaving her alone with her dad and like being like your dad, my dad wants to go on a date with you and all of this. And it's just such a fucking mind fuck because Dorothy wants to fuck Jessica Lang. Okay, but also I I said that like I'm about to defend him. I'm not. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> But um, in the following scene, so after, so basically, Charles Durning goes in for the kiss ah! uh, with Dorothy. Dorothy fends it off, ends the conversation with a handshake. Um, 
goes uh, up into bed, changes into the curler wig. Right. Uh, get, crawls into bed with Jessica Lang, which is normal and good. Yes. Um, and Jessica Lang reminisces about her uh, her late mom. Yeah. And that, you know, that's part of the reason why she wants Dorothy to hook up with Charles Durning, because she's like, Charles Durning, right, she sees her as a mom figure. Yeah. But as Jessica Lang is reminiscing about her late mom, we see Dustin Hoffman starting to fall for Jessica Lang now more as a person than just a hot person. Right, right. And then they give her this really shitty monologue that means absolutely nothing about wallpaper. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm, I actually watched that scene three times because I'm like, I want to see what the actual poetic merit of this is. It says nothing. All of it is, is like her mom, she wanted giant flower, a uh, giant flower wallpaper. And her mom's like, you should get something that you'll be happy to see. So get these rosebuds. And she's like, I'm always waiting for the rosebuds to bloom. And it's like, you're a fucking idiot. It's wallpaper. Nothing's going to happen to the rosebuds. What is this monologue? What does this mean? I got so mad. <laughs> here's the thing. Folks, here's the thing. Is this what she won her Oscar from? Hollywood is pretend. And also, <laughs> m- also most of real life is pretend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all putting on a front. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was a very dumb monologue, and it probably won her an Oscar. Again, Jessica Lange, great actress. Sure. Uh, I don't think this is her best work. No, it's not. I don't think. I think. I think Terry Garr should have won the Oscar if we were going to give one of the women from Tootsie an Oscar. But who am I? But who am I? You, you said the other nominee was from Victor Victoria, yeah. so that movie came out in the same year as this. Yeah, we should probably. Do so it's just <laughs> just a yeah just a massive wave of gender bending movies. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, in 1982, it, it, all of this is really shitty because yeah. I don't know what we're supposed to learn. The writing is so fucking bad in this scene, and but what ends up happening is Michael as Dorothy starts caressing Jessica Lange's hair in a motherly Jesus. way. Fucking Christ. And I just wrote, it's gross, with 15 exclamation points in my notes. And Jessica Lange's reaction is, oh, that's nice. My mom used to do that. <laughs> and I just wanted to be like, oh, my God, she wants to fuck you. She doesn't want to be your mom. Like, it's so disturbing that she's putting on the charade in this way and, and emotionally gaslighting Jessica Lang to the point where she's like, I really kind of want you to be my mom. Michael has found the worst possible workaround of the daddy issues <laughs> stereotype. <laughs> you know, which, I have no, which is mommy issues. I have no problem with the gender bending. I think it's great. I think it brings up great conversations in general, especially for this time period. But I really hate the emotional gaslighting that she's doing to someone who is deeply scarred and looking for a mom. I think that's a really excellent point is like, cause we picked this movie, I think because of the gender bending and the gender bending is like the only part of this movie. That's okay. Yeah. It's actually refreshing. And, uh, <laughs> and it still kind of holds up a little bit like the lessons they're learning. It's like, yeah, this is still a problem, unfortunately, but the weird, like, mom issues, uh, the emotional gaslighting, the, the, it's just all bad. It's disturbing. It's, I think, uh, traumatizing for Jessica Lange, even though, you know, the reaction at the end we'll get to is just kind of like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, yeah, we're not at the ending scene yet, but the way this movie wraps up was insane to me. Insane. Um, uh, that they would do... It, it, 
well, we'll get to that in a minute. I do want to talk about um, how things start to fall apart for Michael slash Dorothy. Uh, it always has here's the to. Thing. Act three. Here we go. <laughs> Act three. Here's the thing. The character is driving ratings up. The show is a massive success. Um, uh, they have, uh, they are offering Dorothy another contract for the next season. Um, weird that they only signed her to one season, but I guess if she was like a recurring, that could happen. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman cannot continue to do this. He like is not comfortable continuing to live the lie, but he also can't get out of it. It's fraud. Maybe it's a violation of his union contract. I don't know because this is before SAG and After emerged, and also since he's a stage actor, he might have been represented by Equity. Who knows? Who knows? But, <laughs> but in the meantime. As long as things are falling apart in his professional life, they're also falling apart in his personal life. Because Jessica Lange Mm -hmm. invites Dorothy over and says, you know, I'm thinking of breaking up with Ron because I'm tired of living a lie. You'd never live a lie, would you, Dorothy? Uh... So, Ron shows up to the apartment. Uh, Dorothy tells him off. Dorothy's like, you know what? You cheated on you cheat on Jessica with Gina Davis, who is half naked every time she's on camera in this film. <laughs> what an asshole! His excuse was, which is mirroring what Michael said at the beginning of the movie to Bill Murray when this whole thing with Sandy happened, which was, "I never told Sandy that I was going to be exclusive." Yeah. But the director said, "I never promised Julie I'd be excuse uh, exclusive." Yeah. And so Michael's like, "Oh fuck, I'm an asshole." <laughs> So, he feels like an asshole. They, you know, Jessica Lang comes back after the breakup. She's upset about it. And now, Dustin Hoffman, as Dorothy, goes in for the kiss with Jessica Lang. Yeah, because that's what happens in... <sighs> you know what I hate? Let me, let me just go on a little fucking rant. I hate when a female character in a movie, and this is a, this is a common trope, is emotionally vulnerable either from something traumatic happening like someone dying like i can give many examples uh or a breakup or something and the man that she confides in the friend that she's pouring her heart out sees this as an opportunity to go in for a kiss this is a very common trope especially in like teen movies and things like that absolutely uh i think it's i think it's damaging to boys to feel like when a woman is being emotionally vulnerable that that is an okay and a go-ahead for them to be like, all right, well, here are my feelings now about you instead of being like, oh, let me empathize and then, like, after a few days, I'll check in on you. I, I think it's it's disgusting. And in this movie, the stakes are so much higher. Yeah. I mean, I know you think it's disgusting, but what if instead of a boy, it was an older man who was pretending to be a mother <laughs> It's sometimes <laughs> worse. She is okay. Let's put it in. Let's take it out of Michael's perspective and just look at Julie's perspective, which is she. Julie's the character's name. Thank Julie you. is the character's name. That she is in an in a relationship where she's being exploited by an older man who has said at the beginning of the thing he's like, if a woman wants me to seduce her, then I do. Which hello, gross. But he says in the end, I'm the one that's exploited because they're using me for my power, etc. And Dorothy's reaction is, ew. But when Jessica Lange, a.k.a. Julie, is like, oh, I'm really sad. Like, this is a really, like, I'm really bummed out. I feel really sad because I'm not going to have anyone to have dinner with. And she goes in for a kiss as Michael, again, 
wh where is the where's the humanity? Where's the empathy? It's more like, oh, okay, here's my in. Yeah. Let me exploit this situation. It is bonkers. Um, Jessica Lang understandably freaks out um, and pieces together, hey, wait a second, Dorothy's never been married and has been hanging out with me all this time. Of course, Dorothy must be gay. Right. But she says something that I find interesting, which makes me think that Jessica Lang could be at least bi in this movie, where she goes, I want something that I can't have from you. Right. And is in right. my head, is it like, oh, does she want to kiss her back? Or is, does she mean, I want you to be my mom? I, th it's very gray here. Yes. Um, she does ha I, she said, like, I'm sure I have the same impulses. Yeah. Uh, and Dustin Hoffman as Dorothy is like, yeah, trust that impulse. Because he's still fucking going oh for it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm really curious as to see how they do this on the Broadway show. But Jessica Lang is like, okay, uh, I'm not going to kiss you right uh but you have to let my dad down gently right you have to let my dad know that you're a lesbian right right but they never say the word lesbian by the way no well it's 1982 yeah. we hadn't invented lesbians yet so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um dorothy and charles durning go to a jazz club uh for what i assume is uh the breakup Charles Durning takes Dorothy out to the dance floor. They dance for exactly 15 seconds. <laughs> and then Charles Durning proposes to Dorothy. Oh, my God. But why? But why? They haven't even gone, like, an why? actual date, but it's happening. Yeah. And Dorothy's like, oh, I got to go think about it. And she walks yeah. out. Runs out of the club and immediately runs into uh, fucking Dr. Drake Ramore. <laughs> Uh, how dare the, you how dare yeah. you parallel him to joey triviani uh, uh, but dorothy runs into the old lecherous doctor that she works with on uh, the fucking soap opera if you who thought, is also in love with her if you thought michael going in for a kiss for jessica lang as dorothy was bad and exploiting that mother-daughter relationship just wait because yeah. he he's like, no, I can't, I can't, Michael's like, I can't talk to you. Like, I need to go upstairs. The doctor starts serenading her and is like, oh my God, just come upstairs. Singing loudly as a big romantic gesture. And so Dorothy's like, fine, fine, come upstairs. Uh, the old doctor, <laughs> the old actor comes upstairs and basically tries to sexually assault Dorothy. It is bad. And uh, fortunately, Dorothy's roommate was there. Bill Murray. Yeah, Bill Murray walks in. And there's a moment where everyone is kind of disheveled. Uh, it becomes a very tense, dramatic moment where you're just kind of like, oh shit, like something was about to go down. This is actually a very dangerous situation. Yeah. Uh, they, they're like, nothing happened. Don't worry about it. I, I wrote in my notes, Michael has experienced a harsh reality here. <laughs> yeah. And then the doctor leaves, excuses himself uh is like nothing happened yes. and bill murray just says you slut and i was just like are you fucking kidding me and and michael's like rape is not a laughing matter but like it's it's more for the audience's relief i guess yeah that's an actual line in this movie folks rape is not a laughing matter which while that is true <laughs> it's it they it's really presented that this was supposed to be a funny moment 
Yeah. Uh, and, 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 Dor- and Michael, as Dorothy, is like, yeah, I mean, I mean, if you wouldn't have come here, I would have been on the news and the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's, like, it's very intense. Yeah. Ten seconds after uh, the actor leaves, Sandy starts pounding on the door. Oh, my so God. So the, the web keeps getting tangled up. Dustin Hoffman immediately... It falls back on the tried and true, hang on, I have soap in my eyes, again. <laughs> like, he yeah. does it again. Yeah, so he's in the shower trying to get the makeup off. Uh, she's, like, really upset, and and then he starts his insane gaslighting, which yeah. she's like, I tried to call you, and you're not returning my calls. He's like, really? You called me? I never, no, I never got your calls. And she's just like, no. And by the way, I wrote, Sandy's style is incredible. The outfit in that last scene is... By golly, incredible. Uh, yeah, and it's made more impressive when you consider, I made a note here, Bill Murray is wearing a white t-shirt in this scene with, like, a Jennifer Lopez-level deep V. Yeah. <laughs> Costuming for this movie probably got nominated for an Oscar. It probably yeah. did, yes. Yeah, but, so, Sandy is like, this is, this is not cool. Like, you're treating me like shit. I don't know what's going on. You slept with me. It's, it's... I am being treated really badly. So at this point, you're like, oh, cool. Like, Sandy's really, like, getting it. She's going to stand up for herself more. And then she just says, Michael, are you gay? Uh... And Michael's Michael's response is, in what sense? (laughs) So Sandy just kind of excuses herself and is like, I'm not going to be treated this way uh, after he tells her that he's in love with someone else. And so Sandy gets deeply hurt. And I think that's the last time we see her. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's again that's the nothing she gets nothing she still gets to be in the play that they're going to produce in syracuse but that's it that like that's the end of sandy's storyline she gets abused gaslit and is cool with it she's just like all right here i go she has no incredible monologue well i mean jessica lang got the incredible monologue i guess but like she gets no incredible monologue a redemption thing where she's like i am sick of being treated this way i am not going to be working with you or i'm going to be taking things into my own hands like nothing like that she's just like i'm out of here and we never see her again (laughs) so we go back to set and this is kind of the climactic scene here. Oh, wait, did, what hap- did, did he go to his agent by then? Yes, yes, I'm sorry, yes. He is, uh, right before he goes back to set, he, he's still trying to work with his agent to get out of the show. Right. Um, but he keeps getting tangled up in his own way. Yeah, and then he, he admits about what happens with Sandy, and, and his agent goes, well, just sleep with her. And he goes, I already slept with her. Because that was his, like, way to kind of, uh, get her off his scent. Yeah. Yeah, so, gross. And we see a little uh, glimpse of uh, beginning of the movie, Michael, here. Uh, yes. And so all the women think that his alter egos are gay. So Sandy thinks that Michael's gay. Uh, Jessica Lang thinks that he's gay, or that Dorothy's gay. That Dorothy's gay, yeah. So everything's kind of all fucked up, and in the end he gets no pussy. <laughs> if he continues the charade. Right. Um, we go back to set. It's the climax of the film. Basically what happens is they lost some of the footage, so they have to shoot a scene that's going to go to air live. Yikes. And as they're getting ready, Jessica Lang pulls Dorothy aside and is like, look, you mean a lot to me. You taught me to be assertive and be myself. I can tell my dad you're gay, but I can't, I can't see you anymore. Yes. Uh, I can't lead you on. Like, we can't do this. Yeah, she says, I love you, Dorothy, but I can't love you. Right. Um, and then... 
they start taping the live scene and it is the ultimate soap opera twist Ugh. it is a double a double blind gender flip you couldn't have written a better so like if i was watching the soap opera i'd be like holy fuck i yeah. love this so basically <laughs> uh dorothy goes completely off script says that basically says in character like she was the hospital administrator but in reality she was avenging the death of her sister or something like that rips off his his wig and his makeup and reveals that he's been a man this whole time which is a fun soap opera twist right but made all the more hilarious by the fact that none of the cast and crew <laughs> knew about it yeah the cam cameraman faints <laughs> uh everyone is watching this live on their tv and bill murray has my favorite line in the entire film which is he's just watching it and he's like that is one nutty hospital <laughs> I mean, if, if, okay, if the emotional stakes weren't so high, I would have thought that was fucking hilarious, but he has deceived and gaslit so many people, and so many of them are women that, like, yeah. are, like, have emotional bonds with him that, like, I, I was just like, this is funny, but I feel so bad. <laughs> I just felt so horrible. And he gets punched in the gut by Jessica Lange after the She, she cut. punches him in the balls. Oh, in the yeah. balls, which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we just kind of move on. Like, there, yeah. Dorothy doesn't come back as a character. That, Michael doesn't come back as a character. It, that storyline's kind of wrapped up. Time passes. Like, Bill Murray puts on his play up in Syracuse. Dustin Hoffman, as Michael, uh, meets Charles Durning in a bar and offers him, like, the engagement ring back. Uh, Dustin Hoffman is asked, why'd you do it? Right. And, and he says, because I needed the work. Yeah, and, and, and he tries to return the ring, and he just bats it away, and is like, give it to me outside, because homophobia is crazy. Uh, and there was a movie, or there was a line in, in the movie where he said, the only reason you're still yes. living is because I never kissed you. And so, uh, obviously, there is a lot to say here about the homophobia of Jessica Lange's father, but it was never really touched upon again. It was kind of like, yeah, I understand, kind of, kind of viewpoint on it. Yeah, two two men kissing, that's gross. Yeah, so I I don't know, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It was kind of like, well, you know, if 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 he had, this would have actually been a hate crime movie. <laughs> it would have been really terrible. But you know, he was like, I I did this for. I did it for Julie. Like, I came clean for Julie. I really care about her. And he's just like, yeah, right. But, I mean, nothing really happened with that relationship. No. Uh, so Charles Durning ends the movie miserable and alone as well. Yeah. <sighs> so then, this is what completely baffles me about this movie. The is end. The final, the final two minutes. Ay, ay, ay. Dustin Hoffman as Michael hanging outside the studio to meet Jessica Lang after taping and stare at her. Um, he catches up with her and he's like, hey, I want you to know, like, I did it for the work. I didn't mean to hurt anybody. I especially didn't mean to hurt you. Jessica Lang says, I miss Dorothy. And Dustin Hoffman says, you don't have to. She's right here uh, and she misses you. Uh, which is weird, weird as fuck. So weird. So weird. So, uh, Dustin Hoffman continues, I was a better man with you as a woman than I ever was with a woman as a man. I just gotta learn to do it without the dress. And that, 
and that's it. Like, Jessica Lang's like, well, as long as you loan me some dresses, I guess we'll be okay. Yeah, and they just and walk away. That's the end of the movie. That is completely unrealistic. This is two hours long. We could have written a couple extra minutes. <laughs> of like, you did you did a terrible thing. You deceived me. You made me believe in you as a mother. You made, Like, there's so many things that she could have said. She's like, well, can you loan me a dress? Yeah. Like, that. that's it. This is the same thing that happened with What Women Want, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> is, um, is they just, like, after everything plays out and Judy Greer doesn't kill herself or whatever, they're just like, <sighs> they're just like, oh, wait, I guess we need to put the two leads back together and have them say, we're together now. And that, and that's it. It's infuriating. I, the, again, Julie also doesn't get a redemption arc. In the end, I guess this movie is really about Michael and his journey of how, you know, he was a bad guy and now he's a good guy, except he was a bad guy the whole time because he was a fucking liar. And he's still, I think, pretty bad. Yeah. And, you know, Jessica Lange's reaction is really, again, I mean, they could have written a whole other act, but it would have been too long of a movie. Um, yeah. But, you know... I don't know what the lesson is that we're supposed to gain from her perspective, which is if a guy gaslights you and lies to you and emotionally manipulates you, it's fine. As long as he lets you borrow your clothes. Right. It's a lot. <laughs> so anyways, uh, a fun, uh, upbeat original song plays over the end credits. A great song. Uh, Go Tootsie. Which will also be, uh, I'm sure, the final song in the Broadway musical, again, currently in previews at the Cadillac Palace Theater here in downtown Chicago. <laughs> I want to go see it now. Um, so what are what are your thoughts on all of this? You know, I, so here's the thing. Um, I now have to rank these movies by how furious they make me. Oh, okay. As, as I was watching them. So, you know, when I think about um, what women want or when I think about, um, uh, uh, what's the other one we hated? Bringing down the house. Um, <laughs> I'm filled with seething hatred. Okay. Uh, and I, I just will go into a downward spiral. Sure. If I think of those films for too long. Okay. When I watch something like The Other Sister, uh, <laughs> I, I really, um, that one I felt nothing. Uh, <laughs> I just, I, I mainly felt more than anything that it was really long. Yeah, 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 um, totally. It was more draining than anything. Yes. This movie, I actually laughed at, at several points that I was supposed to laugh at. Yes, I agree. Um, it was a very th well-made film. Yeah, this is obviously an A-plus cast. Yes. Um, these were the biggest actors, biggest comedic actors at the time. Um, all all doing very well. Um, the gimmick of Dustin Hoffman in a dress is kind of funny. The I think the climax of the film with the live scene is really well done. Yes. Um, but now looking looking back, <laughs> having talked through all of the different kind of love triangles and stuff, yeah, um, this like the experience of watching it was really good. Uh huh. But uh, but oh my god, this is really kind of toxic. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I was like, oh, this is such a fun movie. I actually had a fun time watching it. But actually reflecting on it out loud made me more mad. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Well, I, I'll tell uh, you why I, I get upset about that is um, I hate the the idea, which we see a lot on like on the internet, especially of men saying, uh, "I have a daughter," 
I have a mom, I have aunts, I have sisters. Yes. And so then now I know the experience of a woman and how hard it is. But what if a man doesn't have a daughter? What if a man doesn't have any women in his life? How are you supposed to know what the female experience is? And why is it okay for you to empathize only if you have women in your life? And so Dustin Hoffman is learning this lesson, Michael is learning this lesson that like being a woman is really hard, but only because he is a woman. Even though he has so many women in his life, that he can like ask about their experience, but it's no, 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 no. He has to dress like one to actually see how difficult it truly is. And I hate that. I hate that. It's such bullshit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the message of this film is bad. <laughs> um, the uh, main romantic entanglements of the film are bad. Uh, the star of the film is a bad uh, human being. <laughs> Uh, but other than that, it was fun. Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bill Murray's great. Oh, you know? He, uh, he really is some of the best part. I mean, Dustin Hoffman as an actor is f- incredible. F- fantastic. Actor. Just Absolutely. so good. There were times yeah. where, when he did the audition scene with, as Dorothy, the first time I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is why he's Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, I'd, let's do reviews. Yeah. I'd love to hear what you found. Uh, so I have two. Um, the first is, of course, from uh, the greatest film critic of all time, Roger Ebert. Ugh, R.I.P. His original review for the Chicago Sun-Times, quote, uh, and by the way, he gave the film four stars. Absolutely loved oh, it. Oh, nice. Uh, quote, one of the most endearing things about Tootsie, a movie in which Dustin Hoffman plays a middle-aged actress, is that the actress is able to carry most of her own scenes as herself, even if she weren't being played by Hoffman. Ah, interesting. Tootsie works as a story, not as a gimmick. Again, with the conversation you and I just had, I'm not not entirely sure that's true anymore. (laughs) Well, it was 82. Yeah. Uh, It also works as a lot of other things. Tootsie is the kind of movie with a capital M that they used to make in the 1940s when they weren't afraid to mix up absurdity with seriousness, social comment with farce, and a little heartfelt tenderness right in there with the laughs. Mm. This movie gets you coming and going. That leads to to Tootsie's (laughs) central question. Can a 40-ish New York actor find health, happiness, and romance as a 40-ish New York actress? Dustin Hoffman is actually fairly plausible as Dorothy the actress. If his voice isn't quite right, a southern accent allows it to squeak by. The wig and the glasses are a little too much, Mm. true. But in an uncanny way, the woman played by Hoffman looks like certain actual women who look like drag queens. So that sentence right there, Uh, maybe there's a lot going on. Uh, Roger Ebert, what's happening? (laughs) It's it's the next sentence I really want to drive home. Okay. Dorothy might have trouble passing in Evanston, but in Manhattan, nobody gives her a second look. So Evanston, for our listeners, is a suburb immediately north of Chicago. It's where Northwestern University is. It's a very uh, rich, wealthy, kind of white part of town, Um, certainly uh, along the lake. Um, So I guess the lesson here is like uh, fancy... But also, middle America would think Dorothy is weird looking, Uh but in Manhattan, everything's weird looking. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) I mean, Uh, okay. (laughs) um, 
the other review I have is actually not a positive review. Oh! Uh, which I thought was very interesting. So this is a 1982 staff review from TV Guide. Interesting. I've never uh, heard a TV Guide review. I'm excited. Yeah, so this one this one's kind of on the short side, but... Well, TV Guide is really thin. Yes. Uh, this Remember TV Guide, folks? It was nuts. You had to look up what time your shows were on and whether they were reruns. Oh, Anyways, so good. It calls Tootsie, quote, a sitcom ode to the Hoffman ego. <gasps> yeah. I like it. Like, like Hoffman in drag, it doesn't look at itself very closely. It might crack the mirror. Rather than <laughs> confront what it sets up, it takes the one joke and runs till it runs out of steam. The film's problem is its sitcom style, which doesn't really allow for the suspension of disbelief that Wilder achieved in Some Like It Hot. It leaves one no choice but to try to accept Hoffman at, well, face volume. (laughs) As Dorothy, Hoffman is hardly believable as a woman, much less an actress or somebody playing as an actress. Except for Jessica Lange, at the peak of her beauty, playing a stereotype with such effortless ease that she almost steals the film, and Bill Murray, I mean, I who, who does steal the film, yeah. uh, the rest of the cast lacks comic energy. They're not sprightly enough. Meanwhile, Hoffman's tantrums escalated set conditions to a hellish state, with Pollock playing Hoffman's agent, and Bill Murray, Gina Davis, and Dabney Coleman around to take sides. So basically, even when the film came out, everyone knew that Dustin Hoffman and Sidney Pollock were being real assholes on set. Ah. Uh, and just the entire experience of making this movie, from what I understand, was absolutely miserable. Wow. I want to read into the drama of this. We should probably post stuff about this before it, we actually uh, release the movie about the drama. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> do our friends at commonsensemedia.org have anything? Yeah, yeah. So there is always that section of talk to your kids about if you watch them with, if you watch movies with your kids. Uh, the first is families can talk about Michael's changes in attitude in treatment of women early in Tootsie versus at the end. While the movie may be over 20 years old, it still has something important to say about representation of women in television, which is true. Uh, and the second question is, How does Tootsie address themes of honesty, homosexuality, and gender equality? Parents could talk to kids about how such representations have changed or remain the same since the film's production. I think that's a very fair way to bring up the things that we hated. Um, As far as the actual user reviews, there was only one that was was (laughs) really cute. It was a kid review. Uh, Someone uh, at the age of 12 wrote, title, It Was Okay. Uh, (laughs) the body of the review is very sweet. Believe me when I say this, I only rented this movie because my uncle's cousin is in it. I don't know who that would be to me. My cousin? But anyways, when you (laughs) watch... But anyways, when you watch this movie and the scene where the two people go into a hotel, you'll see a man pushing a cart of clothing from one elevator to the other, and that's my uncle's cousin. (laughs) It... He, he says, fun, but in your eyes, there's nothing bad, just swearing. That was uh, with typos and all. I don't know what that last sentence was. I guess it's just that there's nothing bad. It's just some swearing in the movie. Okay. But good for this person's cousin's friend. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's hard to get jobs uh, out there. No, no, it's um this person's <laughs> uncle's cousin. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we want to make sure we get that right. Sorry, um, sorry. We're going to have people tweet at us. <laughs> uh, 
I, I think it's great. I think um, Common Sense Media asks some really good questions, which is stuff that we're obviously touching upon here, which is, you know, how did they talk about homosexuality? Uh, poorly. They talk yeah. about poorly. But, like, how, do, how does one facilitate a conversation with someone in this day and age, you know, with kids and, like... I, I, there was this meme I saw on Tumblr where it was like me in the car with my kids. Uh, so why was that movie problematic? And I feel like I feel like you know there is it is important for people to have conversations with kids about what could seemingly be problematic about it and you know what could be damaging. Uh, but this movie I feel like is damaging in different ways than how other people would see it, which is, like, the cross-dressing, all of that stuff, people would see that as, like, as we said, as the problematic part. But it's actually the emotional trauma and gaslighting that occurs between the characters. But it's harder to have that conversation, you know, like, after, you know, in the car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how do, how do you have a conversation where you're just like, oh, you know, a movie I really like, I really like Tootsie, except for, like, the emotional manipulation and abuse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever you're saying that to is like, yeah, that's, a, sorry, what were you, what? What? <laughs> Jessica Lange is so pretty. You know? Just, uh, uh, my, um, favorite bit of trivia about this movie is in 30 Rock, I think in season one, Liz Lemon and her... I can't remember. I, I think she's doing a thing with Pete, uh, Scott Adsett's character. Oh, where yeah. they're just They're rewatching all of the AFI 100 Years 100 movies, <laughs> but the only ones that Liz owns are Star Wars and Tootsie, <laughs> so they just, they just rewatch those two over and over again. Oh, my God. That's true. I mean, that's kind of me <laughs> in my life. I only watch, like, the same movies. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But but uh, all you listeners out there, uh, you know, don't watch all the same movies. Watch the movies we're watching, so we won't be alone uh, talking about Dustin Hoffman gaslighting. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> so follow us on uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, which is uh, Instagram's been very successful, Nadia. Uh, I think we I think we should really uh, I think it's going places. Thanks. Tony doesn't have one, so I would just like to give myself props for running that ship alone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's probably shoulda at all three uh, places: P R O L L Y S H O U L D A. Um, so you can stay on top of what we'll be watching next. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in our next episode.